0: I'm Justin Reed. I'm the CEO of Troilus Gold. We're a $180 million gold and copper developer in Quebec, developing the Troilus Gold Mine, which we hope to uh, deliver a long life, 25 year plus open pick gold and copper mine, producing about 250,000 ounces of gold a year and 25 million pounds of copper.
1: Justin, good to see you again. Um, picked up the, uh, the news release you put out super high grade stuff coming out of, out of, uh, the backyard at the moment. But I want to, I want to tap you up if, if you don't mind using some of your kind of experience from the street. Okay. Because the market is getting confusing for a lot of retail, getting lots of questions in. What is going on? Um, we're seeing companies not struggle to raise money. They can get institutional yeah. money for projects, no problemo. The difficulty or the disconnect seems to be retail extremely nervous at the moment, so the liquidity isn't there for some of these companies. We've seen them come off the last 3-4 weeks. What's going on? Have we seen it before?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen it 3-4 or four times in the last 10-15 years. Uh, we go back to the kind of fear and fame, you know, d- debate. Uh, we're looking at, and I'll talk about gold specifically right now. Um, you know, and the copper producers as well. We're looking at Newmont and Barrick, and in the copper space, First Quantum. Everybody's hitting all-time highs, uh, 52-week highs. We're still in $1,900 gold environment. We're still in a 450 a pound copper environment. They're making real money, and balance sheets are looking. Great. A lot of the mid-tiers are staying strong despite the pullback, but there there is a flow of institutional capital to producers because of strength, I think, balance sheet strength, dividend strength or expectation. Um, But the gap is widening right now, and this might be the opportunity between the explorers and the developers and the producers. And it is likely, despite the capital being available, the cost of capital is increasing, equity prices are going down for the developers or or staying flat. So there's dilutionary issues and and it's kind of in this face of all these capex is blowing out everywhere. And I wouldn't even say blowing out, I'm just saying adjusting to the real world, right? And then the sticker shock that comes with that sometimes. Um, But you're going to see catch up. Um, If we use other markets as a proxy, Australia is about five months ahead of us with cash going into that space. We're now starting to see a new flow of funds coming into that space and those companies, and we're lucky enough that have some liquidity uh, and they're trading. You're seeing flows of funds coming in. You know, you have to have a, a, a buyer for every seller and, uh, the volumes across our space are going up, which is a really, really good sign. Uh, we're seeing redemptions from the funds, the smaller cap funds start to slow down, and inflows happen again. So, yeah, I think we're turning the corner. Uh, I'm not banging the table, say buy Troilus, buy trust, but I think the space is, a, is is a great period to enter from a portfolio standpoint if you have a if you have you know a reasonable window, 12 to 36 months.
1: Yeah, I mean, if I if I look at this opportunity, I kind of there are a lot of parallels to me from you know March twenty twenty, right? There was a massive buying opportunity. We definitely took advantage of that situation to a lesser degree now, but it, it's definitely a buying opportunity. But what I'm trying to understand is why the institutions well clearly they'll be piling into the producers because they're throwing off cash for fun at the moment and near ter- near term producers some of these these advanced developers uh, li- likewise but retail at the moment is looking in at the space and saying i'm not sure i'm not sure where this is going i'm i'm nervous about my uh, cost base going up, i.e., energy costs, food costs, everything I do cost, salaries not keeping um keeping up and uh, in line with that. So the kind of disposable income component and then the I guess to a lesser degree the the discretionary spend where where, where that goes, it, there's some real nervousness about yeah. explorers and developers at the at the moment. So what, what would you say to, to like for me? I think it's a massive buying opportunity, right? And, and I'll kind of spread it across my portfolio. But exploration and, and developers with strong fundamental stories, it makes sense. What, what, what would you say?
0: I would say I appreciate that fear, first of all, right? Interest rates are going up. The housing market in North America is kind of leveling out, so it's not upward and onward. Um, but what I would, I would say is if, if we step back and we look at the major producers. Yeah, they're making lots of cash. What are you going to do with the cash? Reserves are getting exhausted and not replaced. Um, You know, anecdotally, we're seeing uh, the quest for assets um, kind of hit an all-time high. As far as not just Troyless, a lot of my peers that I that I communicate with, there's a lot more interest in where are we going to buy the next ounce or how are we going to get the next out? And you can either do two things, you can find it or buy it. And so from the developer standpoint, I think that that capital invested today is in very, very good hands. I think you're going to be very well protected because good assets are going to move forward. They always do. And right now there is, especially when you start looking at Copper, which Troilus has a lot of. Non precious metals, uh, you start looking at lithium, zinc, nickel. These are all strategic metals that are becoming more and more important and uh, more and more focused. So, 100%. Look at say, I'm going to give one example. Sayona Lithium in Australia, which I think is a fabulous company. Two years ago, if they were on your show, they were a $15 million market cap. Today, they're a $2.7 billion company. What did they do? They consolidated Canadian Lithium. They're going to build these things. It's going to cost them a couple billion bucks to do it, but they're not making it anymore. So you have to find the assets. So for me, it's about buying assets right now.
1: Absolutely. But I want to, I want to come from my perspective, right? Retail is right? What are the, what are the clues that we should be looking for? Because and if I go back to my banking days, you know, when, when we funded projects because we believed that actually get into production, we're not, we're not yeah. doing it to pick up fees much, much as, uh, that, that maybe the thought for, for a lot of retail, yeah. well, you know, it ain't about fees. We, we can't lose the kind of the, the, the capital on projects which don't work. So yeah. if now as a retail investor, I see companies that get Funded, i.e., not even pre-capex, are getting funded by institutions. That's a sign. That's a signal that yeah. that has, that company has strong fundamentals that the street, the financial institutions, recognize and value. So, I, I, is that what I should be looking for? And if so, what else could yeah. I be looking for?
0: It's, it's it's really a checklist of investment, right? So, jurisdiction: Do you have safe jurisdiction where you can build a mine? And there's a history of tenure, capitalization. Does a company have money? Do they have enough money to execute the plan? Do they need to raise money right away? If they need to raise money right away, do they have that institutional support that takes the pressure away from the retail investor? You're not going to rely 100% on retail. Um, And who are their institutional investors, right? Are they known to be there for a long-term? Are they there to support, not for one deal, but for three or four deals, whatever it takes to build the mine? and scale and size of asset that has impact. There's lots of little assets out there that will come and go um, with the volatility and the cyclity of a market, but size and scale moves forward. So that's it. For me, it's just kind of an asset checklist and can the team do it?
1: You say that, right? Jurisdiction, right? We've seen in Mexico, uh, a lithium company g- get nationalized. There's lots of, that sort of conversation makes the market nervous. You've seen instances, um, in, well, Brazil, copper projects not, not getting their environment, their, the permits and licenses through that they, they would have expected. You've seen long delays in, in Chile. You yeah. know, and these are good mining jurisdictions with long history of mining, right? Yeah. Um, and even in Canada, in some provinces, it's sure. harder than others. Quebec, where you are n- not such a problem, very supportive, not in terms of licensing and, uh, sort of, and, and permitting, but also capital uh, invested as well. So I, I, I get that. But it seems, with you know, Russia, Ukraine, obviously, jurisdictional risk has, is being looked at differently. Um, people have always quoted this kind of "oh, we're a tier one country, a tier one problem, etc." Those things have changed because of the the, the rise of conversations about nationalism, First Nations, Indigenous populations, NGOs, etc. The rules seem to be changing and it makes it hard for us to go, do you know what? Great jurisdiction, shouldn't be a problem. I I don't even think I I, I've got to look twice these days.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, there are some unbelievable assets in Burkina Faso. And uh, at one time it was the market darling to invest and we all know what happens there. Um, Yeah. It's about how safe is my dollar with, with that asset and in that place. And so I'm biased now, obviously, I'm talking my own book in Quebec, but previous to this, we were building a mine in Peru, right? And, and Peru socially was really, really difficult. And then a good friend of ours and yours, Alex Black, bought us and, you know, Alex did a fabulous job and Alex did a great job, just like he is now. Because Alex knows how to operate there. He has social license. He has a track record. And so I think that's the other part of uh, is does that team have a track record of working in that jurisdiction because the relationships will be stronger? A new company popping up and jumping into wherever uh, without a history in that space? Uh, it's a lot, it's a lot more difficult.
1: Yeah, 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 it can be. And like, and I, and I, like, I, this isn't the form, I, I guess, for, um, going through your checklist, but the, the, the nuances are, are, are there. I guess it ultimately comes down to, do you believe the management team, um, do what they say and, and say what they do, um, truly? Really. Um, look, let's go back to you. Press release just came out. I was kind of, A little bit stunned, actually, because you know, ninety-two grams and sixty-eight grams over a meter, or three grams over fifteen meters. That's not what we've seen from you. Um, What's happening down there at the gap?
0: Two things out of this press release, and and I enjoy coming on and kind of continuing these updates. So, if everybody remembers, the Southwest was discovered two years ago. Brand new discovery. We drilled eight thousand meters to find six hundred thousand ounces at surface. Put that into our PEA. It was an inferred resource. Had no idea how big it was. We've now drilled 150,000 meters into this thing. It's over. Uh, it's uh, it's over 1.8 kilometers long and 600 meters wide. Now it has a bigger footprint than the J zone in the southwest, and that's where two million ounces was produced. Um, so this drilling, we kind of announced two things in this last press release. The first thing was. The margins of the Southwest are continuing to expand. I think we expanded it upwards of 900 meters. Um, And we had some really high grades. We had, like you said, a meter of 92, a meter of 68 grams, spectacular. Uh, Thin meter intervals. I like the three of 15 a little bit better, but it's within the broader packages continuing. And when you go up to the J zone and you look how that was mined, there was always positive grade reconciliation associated with these later higher-grade cross-cutting veins. And what we're seeing now is 8 kilometers away, this high-grade vein swarm continues across the ore body. So, uh, very optimistic. The deposit keeps getting bigger down there. And now we've moved into this gap zone. And the gap zone, and I know everybody has a gap zone, but ours is a real one. Uh, between 87 and southwest, we have uh, about 25 kilometers now. Never been drilled. We drilled a couple holes right in the middle, really just to test stratigraphy, just to see does this geochemistry and geophysics actually mean we have a connection of these two deposits on the kilometer scale? And, uh, you know, yeah, it it kind of does. You know, I'm just flipping through here. We had, you know, we had seven meters of four grams. Um, we had 16 meters of, of a gram and these were stratigraphic holes. They weren't targeted at, let's extend this ore body. We're like, let's see if it's there. And so right in the centre, we essentially proved this thesis that, yeah, the, uh, the mineralization is there. I can't say it obviously connects yet. Uh, we, we've stopped all the drilling for our pre-fees. We've hit our cutoff. All that's in the lab. We're getting really good turnaround in our lab time now. I know some people aren't. We're getting about 21 days, which is spectacular. Best we've had in three years. And um, we've moved all four drills onto the gap zone. So we're going to do an 11,000-metre program right now. We're about five holes into it, and um, we're going to really give it a test. And so that I think that's something that while we're engineering and while you're seeing seeing the resource and the pre fees and everything, that's still on track for mid July or for early July, late June. There's going to be more exploration, and then then we go back into the field.
1: So t- tell me this: like, right, you, you don't need more. You you've got to scale. You don't need more answers. No. You need more economic answers. Answers. Um, I, I, I presume that's what you're going for. And you know, if, if that's the if that's the case, um, clearly I don't think the PFS will necessarily re- re- reflect that because you, you've kind of cut off the drilling for, for that. But what what could it mean for the the next economic study for the D, the D, sure. DFS? Would it change plans? Would you? Would could there potentially be wholesale change in terms of the way that you come? at the the land package that you've got?
0: You know what, great questions. Um, The first thing you have to do is be very, very careful on changing your pre-feasibility too much because you are permitting an operation, right? And the moment you make a change within certainly the Canadian system, once you change, you kind of got to go back to the beginning of a lot of the permitting process. So you want to keep your scale and scope clean or, or unchanged. However, we are permitting the entire gap zone as part, of our pre- as part of our operation. So it is going to be permitted without a resource. Basically, it's going to be a disturbed area, so as we get into production, we can amend things. And when you start drilling seven meters of four grams in a 0.9 ore body, and that you can build a, a, to call it a, a small resource around that quickly, uh, we'll have it within, within our permit. So the opportunity to increase your cutoff grade, selectively mine higher grade early, if it fits within the mine plan appropriately, is there. And what you'll see in our pre-feasibility is, you know, maybe a little sneak peek is, I think we're going to be able to go after higher grade for the first three or four or five years. And if we're able to do that, Don't have the fun. It just it drives your NAV, it expedites your payback, and it takes a lot of pressure off. So yeah, the opportunities are there, and I think we're covering it as an insurance policy by permitting the entire thing.
1: Right. So we still I, have
0: to find it.
1: Well, exactly, right? Okay. So I was going to say, obviously, you had five drills in it last year, and uh, the uh, you, you talked about moving you now the PFS cut has happened, moving those four drills over here. So how wh- how many drills are you going to be putting in the gap this year?
0: They're there right now. Right. Okay. Uh, there are well, there are four there right now, and we're probably going to bring one more in.
1: Got it. So back back up back up to five, right? And can you explain to me the difference between when when some I've seen companies get into trouble in the past um because they've gone on high grade at a project, they've kind of really screwed up the way that they they they, they manage the ore the body because they're desperate for that money early. You have a job to do, say, which is like we can get some cash in by going after the high grade stuff for the first four or five years, but the rest of it still. Stacks up and we've reduced the cost of capital by bringing the cash into the company, but the the, the rest of the oil body, which is a lower grade, is still economic i mean do you know there's yeah, a conversation it, 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 there right
0: yeah it's i mean it's working capital management at the end of the day right you run out of working capital, you're in trouble, and I think most juniors well and even majors in some cases, if they don't have a balance sheet behind them that if you they mismanage their working capital, they don't mismanage their mine. You just run out of the ability to pay because you're not bringing enough cash fast enough. Troilus is such a huge asset. In the cases you explained or, or the example you gave, you're right. You high-grade early at the sake of the mine plan sometimes and at the sake of what's after. So, so You're not able to get, get back to that median grade that you're expecting in the life of mine and you're in fact You kind of go from boom to bust because you're mining lower grade than than is economically viable. Troilus is going to be a little bit different because we're such a large resource. We're going to have three production centres and the mean grade is the mean grade. Um, Even if we go after slightly higher grade, and when I'm talking slightly higher grade, I'm talking the difference between... 0.8 and 1.1, not huge, but 30%, we can immediately go back to the mine grade, right? We're not we're not decreasing um, the available material. It's 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 there. So you know what you're talking about usually happens, especially in kind of lower tonnage underground operations where you, you don't have a lot of mobility, right? In big open pits. Especially like Troilus, where we have two other pits that are are there, we're going to have that flexibility. That flexibility to a mine pad is key.
1: Okay, great. So, so how many meters are we going for um, with with the five drills?
0: Oh, quick eleven thousand. We're probably halfway through that. Okay. Um, but but you know, like I said, the drills are never leaving Troilus. Okay. So once that program's out, we'll probably move them back to the other side of the Southwest and up to J. And we have some great targets regionally that we have a budget to test. And so we're going to Finish up the geophysics right away on some of these regional targets, like to start, which we've talked about previously, uh, and we'll get some drills over there.
1: Okay, like you, you've always um, told a great story about you know the fact that the Quebec government is is very supportive. They've invested equity. They've uh, you know given you other kind of uh, credit facilities. Um, so that's all kind of all kind of good. But the market wants to um, hear a slightly different story, which is, hey, this thing is going to be producing ca- um, cash by X date. Given the shenanigans and the, the 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 machinations of the market at the moment, has your thinking changed about the way you approach this? We've seen some CEOs try slightly different approaches um, because they're concerned about inflationary costs of on on, on capex. We've um, changed their kind of their, their plan of attack. Are you like-minded, or do you think that the plan A still works?
0: I think plan, plan A has to work. Um, these low grade bulk times deposits, there's a reason they're producing 30, 40, 50, detour 65,000 tons a day, right? It's all about scales of economy. And if you don't hit the scale, you're going to fail. Perfectly honest, Troilus doesn't work at 15,000 tons a day. You know, it will be a 0% IRR. So it's, you need to produce over 200,000 ounces a year to really drive that return. And we've always known that. Now we have done all the trade-off studies. We have run every tonnage combination, and you'll see a 35 to 40,000 ton a day operation in our pre-fees and in our feasibility, and that's what's in our project description, um, because that optimizes the infrastructure that we have, which we want to take advantage of. That helps, you know, that helps negate this inflationary pressure that we see at all these new builds, especially our power infrastructure. If we were to go to forty-five or 50,000 tonnes a day, it's a step change in CapEx. You go from one sag mill and two ball mills to two sags and four ball mills, and all of a sudden, your CapEx just you know, goes to $800 million. So, so for us, it's about optimization of w- using the, the infrastructure that we have, and, but it has to come at a certain scale. So, so it's a very fair comment.
1: Okay, so at seventeen fifty dollars gold, um, there's a three billion pre-tax cumulative cash flow company payback two point six years. Um, the recent drill results will only marginally affect that, but it does help with it, you know, immediate kind of um, you know management of balance sheet. That, that's that's all you're trying to 100
0: percent. Right? Got it. Right. Okay. Uh, it helps us optimize a mine plan, right?